It is still the Easter season, so let's do this again. Christ is risen. Christ is risen Alleluia. Amen. I'll tell you two stories this morning because they illustrate the two major points in the gospel that we just heard from John chapter 20, when Jesus appears to his disciples. The two main points are these. The two main points we'll cover today are these. One, that Jesus gives peace. And second, that Jesus wants you to give peace to other people. So the two stories are about an old man and about a missionary. The story of the old man is all about St. John, St. John the Evangelist. And I think I'm safe calling him old because I think he's older than everyone in the room. Mid-90s? I'm a little nervous about some of you in the back, but I think he's, think he's the o- oldest one, mid-90s. And all the other apostles at this time are, are dead. They've been killed because of their faith, but not John. John is exiled to a remote island on Patmos, and there he's writing what you and I are going to learn to call the gospel of John, the story of Jesus' life. That's what he's writing. And the Holy Spirit is giving him the words to say. That's what the Bible teaches about the Bible. It says, prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So John is writing with the Holy Spirit's words, and he's writing his gospel because something is keeping Christians awake at night. Something is stealing their peace. There are images that we associate with peace. Maybe it's a a calm water with a still lake, right? And so the opposite of that, would be stormy waters with restless and panic-inducing waves, right? John knew about those because John, he was on the Sea of Galilee when it was stormy and the waves were coming over the boat and there was restless waves around them, but also restless in their heart. And Jesus, in the King James, do you remember what he said to the storm? He says, peace, be still. And, And the water became like glass. Well, that's what John is trying to do in your heart with the book that he's writing to give you peace. Because when he's doing this, there are false teachers who are stirring up doubts about Jesus. Some false teachers in in John's day were saying that Jesus was a spiritual guru and he had a secret code that you had to know to get into heaven. It was making people wonder, well, am I in or am I out? Some people were teaching that Jesus never rose from the dead. And we heard in the letter to the first Corinthians, right, that, that, that that could steal your your peace pretty quickly. But I don't think that John knows, as he's writing his letter, I don't think he knows what's stealing your peace in 2021. I don't think John anticipated university professors who undermine Christian truths. I don't think that John knew about rocky marriages that you and I might have that, that, that could make you doubt what you, what you were counting on. I don't think John is anticipating the, the specific sins that keep you awake at night and make you feel guilt and shame. I don't think he knows about the mental health crisis that, that you or I might be enduring. But the Holy Spirit does know those things. 
the Holy Spirit gave John just the right words to put your heart at peace. To put your heart at peace, even if everything around you is still stormy. And so I got to warn you that, that John's gospel will not calm down your life. It's not designed to calm the waves around you, but it is designed to give you peace in your heart. So this old man by the sea, he writes all about his experience with peace. He says, I, I was there on that first Easter. I was there when Jesus came into a locked room and we were terrified because of the Jewish leaders. They hated Jesus and they killed him. Well, they hate us. And what do you think they're going to do? You know, John had every right to be afraid of those Jewish leaders because guess who killed the other disciples? And guess who put John on exile, in exile on the island of Patmos? Their worst fears came true. But Jesus appeared, and he didn't calm that storm. He did not calm the storm that they were afraid of with the Jewish leaders. In fact, when Jesus showed up, they were not just afraid of the Jewish leaders. They were afraid of themselves. Because think of all those disciples. Think of John. The last time he saw Jesus... What were they doing? They had turned and run away from him on Maundy Thursday when, when he needed them most. And so I can imagine those disciples looking down at their hands in that locked room saying, I, how could we do this? Just as you and I could look at our hands and think back to our, our sins and our failures and say, how could I do those things? We don't have to get into it right now in front of everybody, but if Jesus were to appear in the middle of this room like he did that first Easter, what could he accuse you of? But that night was, was the moment that changed John's life. Because when Jesus appeared, he did not unfurl a scroll and read off the list of sins that the disciples had committed. No, do you remember what he said, right? The first thing he said after his resurrection to his disciples, peace be with you. Peace to you. That in itself probably did not calm the disciples down. The Gospel of Luke tells us that when they saw Jesus, they were still terrified. They thought, was he a ghost? Is this really him? Is he going to scold us now? So Jesus showed them, look, it's me. You can feel the wounds if you want on my side, on my hands. And then he repeated himself. And he, this time he included an explanation. He said, peace be with you. And then he included this. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And I wonder if that surprised John. Jesus comes back from the dead. He is showing us he's victorious. And what does he want to talk about? The big life-changing, peace-giving, heart-calming thing is forgiveness. I thought maybe he would whisk the disciples straight into heaven or he would just squash all their enemies so they wouldn't have any problems anymore. But no. You see, Jesus knows something about you and me. It's that we're little sin factories. That's what we do. We just produce sins, big ones and little ones, in our thoughts, in our words, in our deeds. Little sins and big ones that hurt ourselves, that hurt people we love, that hurt God and Jesus. And so Jesus knows that our greatest need, every day, our greatest need is forgiveness, to escape God's judgment and his justice. 
We maybe don't always think that that's our greatest need, right? Especially when I'm feeling pretty self-righteous. Then I think, I don't need forgiveness. I need more food, or I need something else. Jesus knows that's what we need. Maybe some of us are always feeling guilty, always feeling ashamed, and heaping, you know, stress on ourselves because of our sins. And, And Jesus knows that however you're feeling, your greatest need is forgiveness. And so that's exactly what he gave them. That's what Easter's all about. Jesus appeared in that room alive, but he was dead. You see, God heaped your sins and mine onto Jesus, and that's what killed him. Sin kills people. Sinners die and go to hell, and that's what Jesus did. But when Jesus escaped from hell, when he rose from the dead, what does that mean about our sins? They must be gone. They must be buried in hell, buried in the ground, because he's back. Our sins are gone, and that's what Easter tells us, that your sins and mine are fully forgiven. That is the key to having peace in your heart, even when your life is pretty stormy. Think about it from the disciples' perspective. They were most afraid of the Jewish leaders that they would kill them, and they did kill them. But they could have peace in their heart because forgiveness changes the worst-case scenario. Right? The worst-case scenario was that they would, they would die, but guess what? They, they did die. It was painful, and then they went to heaven to be with Jesus. Forgiveness changes the worst-case scenario for you, too. When your stress is probably not that Jewish leaders are going to hunt you down, but, but maybe sickness is stealing your peace. Well, forgiveness means that God is not punishing you. What would he punish you for? Your sins are gone. Jesus took them away. Which means that God is not punishing you and he's not abandoning you. He will stand by your side through every test and every negative result and every sickness. He will be with you and bring you safely through it, either to healing or bring you safely home to heaven. That gives you peace in your heart even when sickness is stirring up your waters. Maybe what's making you nervous these days is your responsibilities, either at home or at work, from your boss or to your kids, or, or, or you're just exhausted. Well, forgiveness tells you that your Father in heaven is thrilled with you before you even check one task off your list. And so if the worst case scenario, if, if, if you would let your kids down or let your boss down or you would fail miserably, well, you already have the approval and the smile of a father in heaven who loves you because of what Jesus has done for you. Forgiveness can give you peace in your heart even when things in your life are not going well. And that's why Jesus appeared on that Easter night. That's why he showed the disciples his hands and his side Because he says, stop looking at your own hands and saying, what have I done? How could I do this? And start looking at what I have done for you. It means you're forgiven. It means that you can have peace no matter what's going on. I realize you might be a little skeptical of that. And John realizes that you might be a little skeptical of that too. So he includes in his story the true account of the disciples' own skeptic, St. Thomas. Because Thomas wasn't there on that first Easter night. And he didn't believe it. Remember, he, he crossed his arms and said, I will never, ever believe that Jesus is back from the dead unless I get to put my finger right in his wounds. Well, what does Jesus do 
for an arrogant doubter like Thomas, maybe like you and me, he gives Thomas exactly what he needs. He, he showed up the next week when Thomas was there, and he said, Thomas, wasn't there something you want to do with your finger? Didn't you want to see something on my side here? Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas drops to his knees. My Lord and my God, this confession. It's a good thing. Good thing Jesus appeared to Thomas. It's a good thing Jesus appeared to John. Because your faith and mine is built on their eyewitness testimony. Our faith is not built on our fingers getting to touch Jesus. Our faith is built on their eyewitness testimony, which is a pretty reliable testimony. We can take an example from, from the real world. So how many people here uh, have traveled to Moscow, have put your feet in the red square and seen it with your own two eyes? Any world travelers? Nobody today. Last night there was one. How many people believe that Moscow exists? Well, that's funny. All of you. Okay. Well, how can you believe that if you've never seen it for yourself? Well, you've, you've heard it in reports. You've seen it on the news. You've, you've read about other people who've been there, and you can trust them on that. That's the power of eyewitness testimony. And guess what John was an eyewitness to? Here's what he wrote in his first letter. He said, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen, with our eyes, which we have looked at and which our hands has, have touched, this we proclaim to you concerning the word of life. Our faith is built on the eyewitness and the finger witness testimony of John and Thomas and the other apostles, which means that you get your peace and I get mine from their testimony in the word of God. In fact, Jesus even said, it is better for those who have not seen and yet have believed. Can you picture old man John? He's writing on the, on the shore of Patmos next to the sea. He's writing and he looks down at his testimony, his words, and he says this, These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Our peace and our forgiveness, it comes from the word of God. So that's the story of the old man. And I promise the story of the missionary is shorter. We're, this is just a, a little one at the end before we say amen. And the story of the missionary is about a man who was a Christian pastor, traveled to India, to India, before it was a developed country, before cell phones. So it's a pretty big sacrifice. The only way you could get in contact with people back home was through a letter, and that wasn't even a sure thing. He had no guarantee he'd ever see his friends and family again. He had to learn a new language, learn a new culture, and where he was going, in the part of India he was going, no Christians were there yet. So he's starting from scratch. A lot of sacrifices. What would motivate a person to do that? It was because he had learned the peace and forgiveness that comes from Jesus. He didn't always have that peace and forgiveness, though. When the missionary was a young man, he was training for ministry, and one of his good friends died unexpectedly. And it threw him into a, a season of dark, dark doubt and, and depression. And he started questioning everything about his faith. It's not uncommon. Many young people go through a period of, of doubt 
when they're, when they're especially going through school, but it doesn't make it any less traumatic when it happens to you. And so John starts wondering, or I'm sorry, not John, this missionary starts wondering, what if I'd just been going along with the crowd all these years? What if all the things I learned as a kid were, were just lies or made up or, or well-intended, but not true? And, and it stole his peace. His heart was restless like a, like a, like a stirred up water. And, and he started living like a non-Christian. And then something changed his life. Something that, that the same thing, excuse me, that changed John's life on that first Easter. It was when he learned the peace of forgiveness. Somebody walked into this man's life and showed him that whether he believed it or not, Jesus had, in fact, died for his sins. And that God loved him, even as he was turning his back on God. God loved him. That's the kind of God, the kind of Father in heaven that you can turn and go back to in a dark moment. And he did. He went back to his Christian friends, back to his Christian faith, and eventually, after he finished his training, packed up his bags, headed for India, and he spent the second half of his life preaching the peace of Jesus to people in India. He was putting into practice the words that Jesus said. Remember, Jesus said this, if you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And so he spent his whole second half of his life warning the Indian people, if you run away from God, you will find no peace and no forgiveness. But he lived for those moments when he could, when he could tell them that Jesus had died for their sins and they could have peace in their hearts even if their lives were restless. To be honest with you, those are the moments I live for too. The best, best part of my week when I have the, the privilege is to stand right there and, and say to you, as a called servant of Christ, and by his authority, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That is what it means to be a messenger of God's peace, to forgive someone's sins. You know the name of that missionary from India? St. Thomas, the disciple. We sometimes call him Doubting Thomas, but in the first century, they called him Pastor Thomas, the missionary to India. Isn't it amazing who God chooses to be messengers of his peace? That's what you are. No doubt you've got your concerns about Christ. No doubt you've got your sins and, and you have doubts. Lord knows I've got mine. But you also know where peace comes from. And you know how Jesus has forgiven all your sins. And now you can be a messenger and share that peace with other people by forgiving their sins. You can put the words of Jesus into practice. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So you have the privilege of announcing on earth what is a sure thing in heaven, that if you run away from God, you'll find no peace and no forgiveness. But anyone, anyone can find peace in the forgiveness of Jesus. Who needs to hear it from you this week? Who needs to hear that you forgive them? And so does God. Is it someone who's sitting in the pew with you right now? Someone in your extended family or at your work? I guarantee you all those people have stormy waters in their hearts. We all do. 
that you can give them peace. You can share with them the forgiveness of Jesus. That's because Jesus gives peace and he wants you to share it with others. That's how resurrection hope gives us peace. Amen. Please stand.